So Nietzsche said that life is a process of constantly reorienting oneself in a world of total uncertainty. Right? Life is reorienting ourselves. So to orient ourselves, we have to figure out where we are, right? where we are and where we want to go. And so at an unconscious level, we're constantly trying to figure out where am I and where am I going? How did I, how did I get here? Now the problem with this is that if you don't have a good map or a good model, then you can't really figure out where you are and where you're going. If you're in Manhattan, for example, and you're down on Wall Street, and you're trying to walk up to you know, the Empire State Building, you, you can't see it, so you don't know how to get there. You can just start walking in any direction, but you'll probably never get there. If you've got a map, even if you can just glance at it for a moment, and it says you're here and you want to get there, it really helps a lot. Now the challenge here is that all of our maps and models are all changing now. Right? All the maps and models that we rely on are changing. Who's heard about the half-life of facts? Right? So scientific facts now, they're only good for maybe a few decades right? before they get obsoleted. Uh, who knows about the replication crisis in social psychology? Right? Ten years ago or something they realized hey, wait a minute, all these social psychology experiments that we've been relying on and that we've been quoting and these you know, Stanford prison experiments and how people treat each other, turns out you can't replicate any of this stuff anymore. So everything is changing really fast. So where we are is changing, where we're going is changing, the maps that we're using are changing. Max Dupree, he said something interesting. He said, the first job of the leader is to define reality. And I love that quote, right? It's the opening line of his um, Art of Leadership book. Right? The leader's first job is to define reality. So what is that? Right? What is this? What is this place? And we've been trying to define reality now for a long time. You know, thousands of years ago, there was a creator, and the creator created this land or created this world. And then, a hundred years ago, Hubble looked out into space and he said, hey, wait a minute, there are galaxies that are out there beyond this one. And then, hey, wait a second, they seem to be moving away faster the further away that they are. And he put together this model of the Big Bang. And then all of a sudden this idea emerged that th this whole reality, this whole universe was in a, a space that's smaller than an individual atom. And then it, somehow it was energy, and then it, boom, it came into being. And then now, you know, 100 years later, we've got Elon Musk saying, we live in a simulation, right? He's publicly saying that it basically, certainly, definitely, this is a simulation. The chances are one in billions uh, that this isn't. And this is the most, you know, creative and productive human being on the planet is publicly saying this. And I have a lot of friends in Silicon Valley and the rationalist community you know, a lot of these very smart people, this is what they believe. Yeah? I mean, if you keep, if you go even a little more woo-woo, you know, and you look at, listen to people who channel entities and so forth, they say that each of us is actually creating this reality ourselves. We're projecting it. Yeah? So, what's going on? I don't know. But I think we need better maps and better models for where we're going. And importantly, I think we need to uh, learn how to create our own maps and models, design them, 
and um, create them, make them more purpose-built for when we need them. So again, uh, thank you for that great introduction, Richard, and I'm so honored, I'm, I'm so proud of you, you know, what you've, uh, what you've built here. Uh, my name's Eben Pagan. I'm an entrepreneur and I'm an investor. And I mean, even more importantly, I'm a husband, I'm a father. Most important thing to know about me is that uh, I'm married to my wife, Annie, and we're in love and we're staying together for the rest of our lives. She couldn't be here right now. Um, I just came in just to fly in to do this talk quickly, but I have a partner and we have a family and we're staying together for the rest of our lives. We're in love. And that's the thing that defines me the most. Now, I'm also someone who's really interested in learning how the world works. I want to have the full human experience. I want to try all the stuff out. I want to go on all the rides. I want to learn all the lessons. And I also want to make the biggest contribution that I possibly can. And I'm 50 years old right now. And, you know, hopefully there's at least another 52 years in front of me. And I've learned some interesting lessons about growing and scaling a business and growing and scaling a personality. And I want to share some of those with you. Now, I think it's really important to have multiple mental models if you're going to succeed in the world. Uh, who's read Charlie Munger's Poor Charlie's Almanac, for example? Who's read that book? Okay, everyone, write this down. Charlie Munger, Poor Charlie's Almanac. Okay, so Charlie is the one that came out with this idea of having what he calls a latticework of mental models. He says you need about 100 good mental models from diverse domains that you can use in combinations. And when you have these 100 loaded up into your brain, you can use them in combinations, you become very generative, very creative. He calls it the Lollapalooza effect. And in Poor Charlie's Almanac, he gives you his favorite mental models. And he's a very, very intelligent human being. So go get that book put it on your shelf. So we need multiple mental models. Now, I've been particularly fascinated with value and opportunity. Okay, those two things, value and opportunity, for a long time. In fact, I wrote a book called, uh, titled Opportunity. Uh, one of the things that I teach when I teach people um, marketing, sales, business growth, scaling, is I say, take out a post-it note and write the question, what is value, on the post-it note, and then stick it on your computer monitor and look at it a few times a day and contemplate it for a month or so. What is value? And it's an interesting question, particularly when it comes to your clients, your customers, your partners, your family. And the more that you ask this question, what is value and how does it work, the more you arrive at very interesting answers. In fact, uh, I, I kind of, I'm, I've just got this value lens on. I watch people who have conflicts, problems, issues with their team, their family, whatever. It usually just all comes down to that the person having the problem hasn't been asking themselves, what are the values of the other person? They're trying to, as my, Wyatt mentor, my, my mentor Wyatt Woodsmall says, people do things for their reasons, not your reasons. They do things for their reasons, not your reasons. And we're usually trying to get other people to do things for our reasons and not theirs. And so this comes down to value. Now, I want to give you, um, I want to give you a few of my observations, uh, some of the mental models that I use that I actually wrote about in my book um, about how to navigate into the future here. So in the future, the nature of opportunity is going to change. Okay, it's changing right now, but the very nature of opportunity is going to change. And I'll just give you a few shortcuts right now. 
So number one, in the future, opportunity grows exponentially. There are going to be exponentially more opportunities in the future. If you just look at knowledge, learning something as an opportunity, because it is, when you learn something and you kind of upgrade your, uh, your consciousness a little bit and you plug it into all the rest of your knowledge, you get that network effect. So just learning one new thing is an opportunity. Well, think about how many things we can learn now just because of the internet. Think about how many more opportunities we have just to get knowledge. And then think about the combinations of knowledge. All right, so that's just, that's just a little bit of the exponential growth of opportunity. Okay, so in the future, opportunity grows exponentially. Number two, in the future, there will be more small opportunities and fewer large opportunities. So even, even though opportunity is growing exponentially, it actually turns out that most of that exponential growth is at the kind of end of the tail. So they're not very big opportunities. A lot of it's noise. And because we live in a blockbuster world, because now we're a global knowledge and technology economy, we have to really be watching for those blockbuster opportunities because that's where all the value is going to flow. Next, in the future, windows of opportunity will open faster and close faster. Because everything is accelerating, yeah, the window is going to open up and it's going to be available and then it's going to close. So we have to be ready. Right? We have to be watching and we have, to, uh, we have to be ready for those opportunities. And in the future, we're going to need more uh, diverse mental models for navigating through these opportunities. Yeah. Um, one more. Um, opportunity is really all at the intersections. It's at the intersections of your knowledge. It's at the intersections of industries. It's about taking knowledge and experience from one place and using it in another. Uh, I'm also a real fan of creativity, and I think that with all the books and t programs and so forth that are out there, it's really important to take on studying creativity uh, in life. Another thing I've learned about creating opportunity and creating mental models is it's not what you've learned in life that counts, it's what you've taught that counts. I try to make it a habit of mine, and I've done this for 20 years now. Whenever I learn something really important, I then go teach it as soon as I possibly can. Every year I create two or three courses where I try to teach some important lesson that I've learned in my life, whether it be about productivity or about business or hiring people or marketing or relationships, whatever it is, I try to take it and teach it because when you teach something, you learn it in a new way. You learn it at a meta level, you build a model and everything that I've taught, they've, it's forced me to create mental models that have three or four or five steps or a little diagram. And then I can take and summarize everything that I've learned in a particular area, and I can make it into these little packages that I can quickly transfer over to other minds. And what happens is you build a network of knowledge in your brain when you teach everything that you learn, and it just makes you much, much more powerful, much more generative. All right, so they say in investment, look for things that are doubling, right? So we're looking for things that are doubling. And I guess the other thing they say at the other end is, you know, buy when there's blood in the streets. <laughs> right, there's investing all summed up, right? Look for things that are doubling, buy when there's blood in the streets. And um, the blood in the streets is starting to flow right now. And, you know, depending on where you think things are going, you know, if you follow Jeremy Grantham, which I think he's, who's read... 
Let the wild rumpus begin. Okay, read that one for sure. Okay, Jeremy Grantham, Let the Wild Rumpus Begin. Read that little essay of his. He's been studying bubbles for 80 years. And just, just go read this one. It's, it's very powerful. Watch his interview with um, Ray Dalio as well. Excellent. Really good stuff. Um, anyway, if, uh, if you're in the uh, Buy When There's Blood in the Streets, keep your eyes open over the next couple of years because I think that there's a very good probability that there are going to be some really good deals. On the... Uh, on the look for things that are doubling front, uh, technology, I mean, as I stand here right now on this stage, basically, AGI, artificial general intelligence, just hit the scene in the last week or two, and then we just created fusion. Okay, that all just happened. So, if you're, if you're looking for things that are doubling, go take a look at AI and generative AI, because the large language models they're not doubling every year. They're 10xing or more every year. They're doubling every quarter. And this year, okay, with the advent of Midjourney and Dolly and OpenAI, this, this is the starting gun right here. This is it. Over the next five to 10 years, we're going to see more change that's going to happen faster. It's going to come from more unexpected places. It's just going to be absolutely radical. Uh, I have a startup in generative AI with Peter Diamandis. And I've been working on it for a few years, so I've been interacting with these models and interacting with this other kind of intelligence. And it is a freaking completely new thing. It is a really big deal. And so one recommendation that I'll leave you with is be interacting with AI. Learn how to prompt and learn how to collaborate with it because as Ray Kurzweil says, it extends your neocortex. Okay? It literally makes, it's a way of making yourself exponentially smarter. It's like having Google, but as it evolves, there, really, we're going to divide into people that are using AI and that are comfortable with it and know how to use it cross-platform and those that don't. Thank you.